Good morning. Welcome to Bank Green Christian Fellowship Church this morning. It's great to see you out um, on this slightly colder morning. I hope you're warm where you're sitting, whether you're at home or here in the building. It's great to have you join with us. Um, I wonder how many of you know what day it is today. Obviously, it's Sunday, um, and it's Halloween, but it is, it's Reformation Day. Um, this, this day, 504 years ago, Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the door of a church, uh, and with that, he, he sent reverberations around the world and has changed the, the course of church history. Um, he recovered something that is, is very dear to us, the, the truth that none of us are made righteous by what we do. None of us can, can make ourselves right by our own good works. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Um, and it is, it's that great truth that we come to, to celebrate each morning as we, as we come together as a church, to, to celebrate the fact that we're not here in our own strength, that we are here because of what Christ has done for us, that his work on the cross is sufficient to pay for all of our sins and to make us right with God. Uh, and so we have something to truly sing about this morning. Well, welcome again to those who have just joined us. Um, my name is Mark. I'm the pastor in training here, and it's, um, it's my, my joy to be able to, to welcome you here this morning as we, we worship um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And let's read some verses from Ephesians chapter 1 to help us to do that. Ephesians chapter 1, and reading from verse 3 to verse 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. I'm going to ask Laura now to come and to, to give our reading for this morning from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let me just pray for myself and for ourselves before we hear from that word. Father, we just pray that you would, you would be with us now. Would you be speaking through me, not my words, but your words? Would you help us to, to hear your voice and to, to respond to you as you would have us? Father, we thank you for the power of your word and the blessing that it is to us. Amen. So we are, we're looking at this as a standalone this morning. Um, I've been part of this church for about four months now, um, which is quite amazing for me. The time has absolutely flown in. Um, but I've been so encouraged in the time that I have been here. From very first week, we had our, our holiday Bible club, and there was, there was so many folks involved in serving during that week, people from, from all ages and backgrounds, and so many people keen to, to get involved in that area of service. And that it's just one example of the church serving. Myself and Lisa and our family have been, have been served by, by many of you in acts of kindness and encouragement and various different ways. And I know that that is not just unique to us. It's something that, that happens as part of this church. And, and it's this theme that I want to expand on this morning, the importance of, of each one of us, every member, using our gifts to build up the church and to bring God glory. Uh, I've taken this from a sermon that I preached recently at Hebron, um, so forgive me if you've listened, but I, I doubt many of you will have. Um, it's a, a sermon that I think, though, is applicable to us here today, uh, and it does actually have some links to what we looked at last week in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, where we focus on the necessity of putting the gospel first in all that we do. Uh, and that as we do this, as we put gospel food first, gospel action follows. So the, the gospel action that I want to draw our attention to this morning is that of serving one another. Uh, and the truth that in a healthy church, all members are to serve one another through the use of their individual gifts. Or as First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 puts it, um, we are each gifted and are all to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So the title I've given is this, A Healthy Church is Gifted to Serve. The primary text is 1 Peter 4, verses 10 to 11 that Laura just read for us, but I'm also going to, to draw on some verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, uh, and also 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7 and verses 14 to 20, just to add a little bit more flesh to the bones of, of that first Peter text. Let me read the, the Romans verses for us just now. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then if you want to flick over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, first of all, reading from verse 4 to 7, it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then if you just want to skip down a little bit to verse 14, it says this, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we have the, the central call to action that, that this sermon, this, this healthy mark of a church, will revolve around. And in 1 Peter 4 to 10, um, this is the center point of this sermon because it tells us not just what we should do, but why and, and how and for, for what ultimate purpose. This is important because we need far more than a, a simplistic instruction of what to do when it comes to serving one another. We need to see how it is possible to do it, and how and why we should do it, why it is that it both matters and that it is a glorious thing to use our gifts to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace is a glorious thing to be called to. So let's unpack the two verses in 1 Peter uh, and understand how and why a healthy church is gifted to serve. There's an overview slide that breaks it up for us into four points, um, which you have there. Um, the first point is that we are gifted. Number two, to serve. Number three, as stewards of grace. Finally, point four, for God's glory. So gifted to serve as stewards of grace for God's glory. And that, in a nutshell, is what these two verses tell us, and it's the, the sermon in summary. So if you get nothing else, this is the point. We're gifted to serve as stewards of grace for God's glory. So point number one, gifted. In 1 Peter 4.10, it starts by saying, as each has received a gift. But let's just take a step back. Who is Peter talking to? It's the church. He has spent the bulk of the first three chapters in his letter telling the church how to be the church in a world of opposition and difficulty. He has described her as, as a people of God, a building made of living stones, united by Christ, the cornerstone. And he recognizes the church as a church in exile as well. So it's a letter aimed at perseverance and Christian resistance in a hostile world. But 
This resistance, it doesn't take the form of just hunkering down and waiting for Christ to return and take them out of the world. It's a call to Christ-like action, a call to live and act and love as the church should, to be the church in and for the benefit of this hostile world, to live in such a way that the church are not conformed to the world, and so that the world might see the church and wonder, what is the source of her hope? In light of this, and in light of the fact that the end of all things is at hand, if we see that in verse 7, Peter tells the church what they must do. In verse 8, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. And he unpacks what that looks like. He first uses the example of hospitality in verse 9, and then in verses 10 to 11, our verses here, he widens the example of loving one another to include each and every act of service. He opens by saying, as each has received a gift, use it. From the first part of verse 10, we have our first point, which is gifted. And the first thing to say is this, we are all every one of us gifted. God has not let anyone out. And we see this more clearly in the New Living Translation, which says, God has given each of you a gift. This point is also seen in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, where we read that God empowers all the spiritual gifts in everyone. So, all of us who are in Christ, all of us who are Christians, have received the Holy Spirit and have received a gift. So if you're a Christian here today, this text applies to you, directly to you. It's not just a message for the the exceptionally gifted. The word as that we see at the start of verse 10 in the ESV, it could be fairly translated in the way that. So instead of as you have received, we could read in the way that you have received a gift, use it. And there's two things that we can draw from this. Number one, whatever type of gift you have received, use it. Not all of us have the same gift. Some are gifted at at speaking and teaching, others gifted at serving behind the scenes or in music or in counseling or in various kinds of helping or administration. Peter groups all gifts into two broad categories here of speaking and serving. But we know that there are many and varied gifts given to the church. We read in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, that there are varieties of gifts, of service and of activities. And in Romans 12, 4, we read that as in one body, there are many members, but not all have the same function. You may be tempted to think that your particular gift is not needed or is not impressive or, or useful, and so look down on your gift. But read again 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 20, where we have the description of the church as a body, made up of many parts. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it's no less part of the body. If the body were all one part, where would be the sense of smell? If you are not using your gift because you don't think it's very impressive or important, compared to another part of the body, compared to another person's gift, you are depriving the church, depriving the body 
of a vital sense or a function. A second implication of reading Peter's use of the word as at the start of verse 10, as in the way that, in the way that you have received a gift, it could point us to consider the manner in which God gives gifts to us. This adds another aspect to the instruction. So we can understand Peter saying, in the manner in which you have received your gift, use your gift. So in what manner does God give us a gift? He does so graciously, not based on our merit, but on his goodness and his choice. We did not do anything to buy the gift that we have. It has been freely given to us. Freely given to us, and so we are to use our gift to give our gift away in the manner that that God gave it to us, not based on merit, not waiting for someone to deserve it, but graciously, generously, freely. This is the way that Jesus spoke to his disciples when commissioning them for their apostolic task in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. He said, you received without paying, give without pay. The way that we should The way that we serve should reflect something of Christ and His service for us. It's to be a reflection of His life, given as an act of service at immense cost to Himself. He gave His life to ransom, to rescue people who don't deserve it. From the torment of being forever separated from the God of life, the God who gives every good gift to us. Jesus offered himself freely. And when we accept this free gift of life from Jesus Christ, he also blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. He lavishes his grace upon us, as we read earlier in Ephesians 1. And another thing to note about the manner in which God gives a gift to us is to see that he does it by his presence, his physical presence in the person of Jesus Christ, God became man, but also in the real spiritual presence of His Holy Spirit with us and in us. This aspect of giving spiritual gifts through our presence with one another is so important and often overlooked. But over this past 18 months or so, perhaps even longer than that now, we have known perhaps more than ever the importance of being present with one another. Sometimes this is all that we need to do, in fact, to to impart a gift to one another, our presence. Paul talked like this in, in Romans chapter one, in his letter to the Romans. He longed not just to write to them and to, to tell them things, he longed to, to see them. In, in Romans 1, 11, He said, I long to see you so that I might impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He he wanted to be present with them, and his very presence was a gift to them. God gives us spiritual gifts graciously, freely, sacrificially, and through his presence with us. This is the way we have received a gift from God. Therefore, we should use our gifts in like fashion. As we have received a gift, we should use it. And this leads directly into our second point, uh, to serve. 
Again, from the start of verse 10, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another. We've been gifted to serve, to serve one another. And the main thing that we can draw out of this is that our gift is is not to be used to draw attention to ourselves. It should never be a means of making ourselves look good or puffing ourselves up. Our gift is to be given away to each other. We are to serve one another sacrificially. And the word translated serve here is the same as the word for, for deacon, um, that we saw actually last week in Acts chapter 6, uh, where we saw that, that helpers being tasked to, to give out food to the, the needy widows. That word for service is the same here. And that gives us actually a picture of what it means to, to use our gifts to serve one another. We're to dish them out without recognizing, uh, we are to, get, to dish them out to one another, recognizing that our gift is needed and must be given away. The implication of this using our gifts in service for one another is that as you are pouring out your gift in service to others in the church, the whole church ought to be giving, pouring out their gifts in service to you. There is this great service of, of one another that brings about the mutual benefit of all involved so that when the church is operating in this healthy way, when we are all using our gifts to serve one another, no one gets burned out or depleted. We are constantly being refreshed and built up by one another. Of course, when only a handful are serving in the church, this is when problems occur. Uh, in the instruction to serve one another, to, um, and as we continue to read down these verses, we see that far more important than the type of gift you have, more important than how impressive it is or how obvious it is, is how you use it. Again, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, Paul warns the Corinthians who are eagerly seeking after impressive-looking gifts that they should not just strive after the gifts but to strive to excel in building up the church. This is how our gifts are to be used, serving one another to build up the church. And building on this point is our next point. So one, we are gifted. Two, to serve. Three, as stewards of God's grace. The last half of verse 10 and the start of verse 11 tell us that we are to be good stewards of God's varied grace. And it shows us what this looks like. This is actually an massive astounding point here. Peter says to his hearers, as each has been gifted, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. A steward is someone who looks after something that is not really their property. They take care of it, administer it, make sure it is used properly. A steward is like a manager managing a business on behalf of someone else. And Peter says that when we use our gifts to serve one another, we are good managers of God's business here on earth. And his business is the distribution of his grace in its various forms. Think about that. God's grace is channeled through you. He channels his grace through you to the church and to the world through the church. What an incredible thing to be a part of. What a high calling this is for us. It totally transforms 
the way we look at service in the church, from arranging chairs to a word of encouragement to leading a Bible study or helping in Sunday school. These are acts of service. Uh, And these acts of service are the way that God uses us to be stewards of His varied grace. Being a good steward is a joy, but it also comes with responsibility. It means not being lazy with the gift that you have. It means recognizing its potential for the building up of the church. It means not neglecting the gift we have and thus depriving the church of it. And this reminds me of what Paul said to his protege, Timothy. Timothy, whom he loved dearly and recognized his gifts for ministry. Paul said to him in 1 Timothy 4, 14, do not neglect the gift you have. And again, in his second letter to Timothy, he says something similar in 2 Timothy 1, 6, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. We each have a gift as Timothy had a gift, and as stewards, we need to nurture this gift. Perhaps we need to help one another to recognize what our individual gifts are and to encourage one another to develop those gifts. This is something that I'm very pleased to say that Duncan has been helping me with as, as we speak together and he's, as he mentors me. But this is not just an activity for pastors. This is for everyone. Perhaps you have a gift that has been lying dormant, maybe an unused musical talent. There's going to be a slot available. Um, Maybe you've got a gift to teaching with children, with hospitality. Is this something that you could put effort into reviving? Remember, your gift is not really your own. It's yours to be used to serve one another, to build one another up, to be stewards of God's varied grace, There are many ways your gift could be used, tested, and nurtured right here in this place. And perhaps you know the examples better than I do. You're here long, most of you at least are here longer than I have been. Um, Could there be areas that you serve one another and use your gift? Or, or, Or maybe you feel that perhaps you've got a gift that doesn't quite seem to fit, a gift that doesn't seem to be needed in the life of the church here. Why not speak to one of the staff or our elders, and see how you could use your gift to build up the church. And, and remember, when Paul talks about the church, although he does refer to her as a building of living stones, he certainly didn't think of her activities as being confined to four walls or confined to a single day of the week. We should be looking for creative ways to use our gifts to serve one another in ways that maybe don't fit a program but, but could fill a life. So, by using your gifts to serve one another, you may become good stewards of God's varied grace. What an incredible privilege it is to be ours, to be a channel of God's grace. What a joyful thing to be involved with. And and what a gracious thing for God to use us, even, even me, in this remarkable way. But what a responsibility also to be good stewards of God's varied grace. One thing that we must not overlook is that this responsibility would be crushing if it weren't for what Peter says next at the start of verse 11. Good stewards don't rely on their own wisdom or strength. They act and serve in the wisdom of God and in the strength that God supplies. 
If our gift falls into the category of speaking gifts, we must not speak our own words and rely on our own wisdom. We must speak God's words and rely on His wisdom alone because we are not wise and our words fall far short. If our gift is in the area of serving, we must not forge ahead under our own strength, under our own steam. That way lies frustration, burnout, and failure. We must act in the strength that God supplies. We must look to Him to supply what we need. We must recognize our own weaknesses and so be strong in the strength that He supplies. And for both of these, we need to pray. We need to recognize that we have no gifts without Him. We are unable to serve without Him first serving us. We are unable to be good stewards and to speak in wisdom and serve with strength unless He supplies us with all that we need. So we need to pray. The centrality of God, the centrality of Christ in our service is brought to the fore in our fourth and final point of this passage. And it is without doubt the most important point. We are gifted to serve as stewards of grace for God's glory. There are so many ways to view, so many wrong ways to view our gifts. So many wrong ways to use our gifts. Uh, We can use them to show how gifted we are. We can use them to make others feel like they should be really doing more. We can fail to use them because we don't feel our gift is needed. And we can underuse them because we don't see the wonder and responsibility of being a steward of God's grace. We can use our gifts to bring ourselves glory in this way, and none of these ways bring God glory. But at the end of verse 11, we see that when we use our gifts to serve one another as good stewards of God's glory, depending fully on His wisdom, His Word, His power, all of our service in this way brings glory to God. And this is the ultimate purpose of using our gifts. The ultimate purpose of being gifted to serve is not so that we might have a more harmonious church, although this might be a side effect. It's not so that we would have thriving activities, although this might be a side effect. And it's not even so that we might be encouraged and built up, although this undoubtedly will be a side effect. The ultimate purpose is that God would be glorified. Peter says, our using our gifts and serving in this way is in order that in in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Our serving glorifies God. And if you read closely, Uh, If you read closely, you may be surprised that it says, as we as a church use our gifts in the manner that we've been discussing, God is glorified not simply through the church, but through Jesus Christ. But how can that be? How is it that Jesus glorifies God through the church? Well, remember, we are one body. The church is the body of Christ. We, as members of His body, connected to Jesus Christ as our head, live and move and have our being in Him. It's only because of His life and death and resurrection that there is any body here in the first place. It is all because of Jesus, it is all because of Jesus that we are here this morning. 
Ephesians tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That this local church even exists is a testament to the wondrous love and grace to us in Jesus. We are his church, his body, and so what we do is an extension of what he has done for us and what he continues to do for and through his church, serving one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so in all that we do as a church, God is glorified through Jesus. And as Peter concludes verse 11, let me conclude this sermon this morning. It says this, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we, we thank you that you are a God who, who has served us. That when Christ came, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Father, the fact that we are here this morning gathered in this place is proof, proof that Christ's service was acceptable to you, that his ransom was effective, that we have been bought by his blood, that we have been freed from our sin, that we have been freed to new life in Christ. And as we are in Christ, we have been gifted, gifted to serve one another as stewards of your varied grace for your glory. And Father, we, we, we recognize the, the weight of this calling, but also the wonder of it, that, that you chose us, even in our, in our sin, in our weakness, in our fallenness and shame. Lord, you choose to redeem us and to make us fit for your service. Lord, fill us again with the wonder of that message. Fill us again with just the wonder of your grace and, and help us to be transformed by the indwelling of your Holy Spirit so that we might love one another, that we might love one another with a, a, a love that reflects the love that Christ has for us. He who gave himself so freely and graciously, not waiting for us to earn his favor. Lord, would you help us to love one another in that way and so to give you all the glory. We pray that you would help us to do that even today. And we pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.